available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from USCFootball.com. Liner, gonna try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome, everyone, back to the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruton Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. That's the USC site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And together we make the Podcast of Champions, talking all things Pac-12 football. (laughs) I got a little extra pep in my step today, David. It was a long weekend. Maybe yep. a few too many adult beverages, but I haven't did a show today, so I'm not running into this doing like my third show of the day. So I feel like I got some more energy. I'm ready. I'm going to give the POC my full attention here on a Monday. You did an entire rail of uppers. That's what you're telling me right now. <laughs> little bump here. A little, no, just, I just a little bump. Get you going. <laughs> get you up to speed. You know, you got your downers yesterday. Now you're taking your uppers, and I respect it. Yeah, I had a little some wine yesterday. I also mm-hmm. uh, I hiked uh, Mount. Whitney by myself on Friday and then Mount came Whitney? back. Not Mount Whitney. I'm sorry. Mount Wilson. Oh, okay. Mount Whitney's okay. different. <laughs> Mount like, Wilson. Wow, you're getting up there, buddy. That was that. Yeah, that's, that's on the list. But, uh, I did that. It was a long, you know, like probably seven, eight hours or whatever. And like, you know, I was pretty tired and then went out and went to a bar for the first time, sat down. And once you sit down at a, at a bar at this point, you're like, well, I'm going to drink. I'm here. I haven't done this for three months. So that was probably a bad like run of a day, like doing that by myself uh, without any training, you know, going 15 miles. Like it was 500 flights of stairs up and then 500 down the equivalent. And then uh, going out, get drinking. I didn't really start off uh, good on a Friday doing that. I was, uh, I feeling pretty bad like the rest of the weekend. You should probably go for Mount Baldy this weekend. Uh, so how t- tall is that one? Like Mount how- Baldy elevation is 4,193. Oh, that's not too bad. So this. Uh, Mount Wilson is like 5,700, I think. Um, yes. But yes. you go up about 5,000 feet. Cause that's why I guess the 500 equivalent, you know, flights of stairs or whatever, but it was pretty good. I, I had done like hiking like six years ago when I did the grand Canyon. And I just, I remember doing the training on, on Mount Wilson and I, I, my pack was too big. I was trying to train and I was not in real good shape. And I just, it just kicked my ass. And I was like, I've always wanted to do it since then. And I'm way better shape now. So I was like, I bet you I could do it. And I did it. So it was, it was cool, but you, you should get you, into, ba- you should get into backpacking next. Start doing John Muir, do the whole thing. That, okay. So that's the like hell. Why, why, why waste your quarantine? Just could, take that, three months off and go, <laughs> go do some backpacking, do the entire PCT, man. That was, yeah, that's, you have to get like a permit and I don't even know if they have that stuff open. Like they had stuff closed. Um, but I'd like to do some hiking. Can they Calina. really close off America? Can they close off the great wild? You'll make <laughs> yeah. it happen if you want to. They have. I know. Are you a big hiker? Um, I was in a yesteryear before oh. I had children. Um, okay. I've got to get them into it at some point. Um, and also, you know, in the process, get my ass in shape. Um, but yeah, no, uh, it's, uh, it's a real, uh, um, it's a real boring activity, but it can be nice to just kind of turn your brain off for a few days and, and do, uh, do some hiking around. Yeah. Maybe we could do a POC hike. 
kid out. That would be great. That would be great. We should organize a POC backpacking trip, invite everyone, and then it'll just be the two of us. It'll be great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just a little day hike. We'll do something fun where people can meet up or whatever. But uh, let, let's let's. Uh, if you guys want to do that, send us an email. How Ooh, can you do that? What a segue. <laughs> I'm good at my job. Pack 12 podcast at gmail.com is where you can send us an email if you have a question, but also, hey, let us know. Would you like to do a day trip? Uh, we'll have to get David <laughs> to fly out to Los Angeles. We'll uh, do a thing. It'll be fun. I don't Maybe we could do Georgia, but let's, let's have Dave come to Los Angeles for a yeah. weekend or something, and we'll, uh, we'll do that. You could call or text us, too. Leave us a voicemail. Send us a text, 424-532-0678. You can tweet us at Pack 12 podcast or go to the website. Pack12podcast.com. Please go to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, and rate us. We love that. Really helps grow the show. We've got a few more uh, ratings to read for you today. And our Reddit page is reddit.com slash r slash podcast of champions. Go in there, talk with other POC fans about the Pack 12. We got some other newsy stuff to do, but we should probably read our reviews since we talk about it a lot. We want people to do it. We appreciate when they do. All right, we've got a few new reviews, all five stars, so everyone follow directions. Uh, Keylime503, I thought, did a great job, did the perfect thing, yes. which is he gave us five stars in the rating and then wrote subject line, a podcast, and then for truth and advertising, wrote one star, <laughs> which I respect. I respect oh, that yeah. a lot. Bravo. We'll give a uh, yeah, round of applause to Keylime. Uh, then we got Papa, Papa Moose X2 times two. Uh, this is another five-star rating. Great podcast. This is my all-time favorite religious political podcast. While they may not endear themselves to the administration of Pac-12 institutions, they grow on you. Kind of like an itchy fungus that is resistant to all treatments. Rich in L.A. All right, that's great stuff. We <laughs> love it. Rich in L.A., hopefully you can come on our uh, our hike with us. and uh, Yeah. You know, yeah. That'd yeah. be fun. Ab- absolutely. Uh, this is from David Woods 2020. Not me. I did not write this review, Ryan. Um, boom. The POC is the equivalent to a five-star UCLA signee. (laughs) Soft, overrated, and seemingly lazy, not putting in the necessary work to reach their full potential. Even with this fact, you tune in every week waiting for the lights to come on, as you are promised something special, but only witness mediocre performances, boneheaded mistakes, and look up after four years and realize you have wasted your time. In all seriousness, though, this podcast is interesting enough that it's better than pure silence, so there's that. (laughs) Love it. Love it. (laughs) Honestly, I could have written it. We'll give them some applause, everybody. Yeah. So. I could have written that. That could have been me. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that's what I, I mean. We always say this, but I love the people like whatever, whatever reason, the listeners that we have, the dozen or so of them, but they're all, they're smart. They're witty. They come up with some really fun things to, to, you know, they'll write about on the Reddit page or if they'll give us a review on Apple podcasts. And they're susceptible to begging. Yes. And when we beg, we, beg we, them. Get, we get some reviews. So uh, <laughs> it's very cool. Um, but yeah, so we have, uh, some newsy stuff to get to. We'll get some, some questions. I haven't even looked at the questions yet, David. So hopefully, uh, I don't know if you know what we got in there, but it's we'll, it's not we'll that t- many. It's not that many. We got like, four. okay. So it might be a shorter show, uh, today. And then we'll just talk about hiking at the end. Um, yeah, but we put some notes in here. You, you had the first one day, if you want to bring that one up first. Yeah. So in the last couple of weeks, I, this is an exhaustive list, but, um, in the sec five, Alabama and, uh, three Auburn players upon returning to campus have tested positive for COVID-19, which is obviously an inevitability, um, that we all knew was going to happen. Um, and certainly going to happen in the PAC 12 as more teams report. Um, and 
schools may not report this stuff. They may not report that people have tested positive publicly because I'm sure there is some sort of, um, you know, like legal framework. And stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Some sort of legal framework. But it is it does. It's going to present an interesting kind of test case um, for all of this stuff, whether um, how quarantines are going to work with these players, um, how they're going to um, handle the lack of specificity with some of the tests, the timing of some of the tests. It sounds like the Alabama players were tested on a Tuesday and didn't get results back until Thursday. And in the meantime, they met in a group on the field. Um, so there's a lot of kind of weird things that are all going to have to be figured out real time, um, as this stuff, uh, carries forward. And, um, I don't know the fact that five Alabama players tested positive basically on day one, uh, that gave me pause because I was expecting, you know, one or two here and there, but five Alabama, three Auburn, it sounds like other schools have had positive cases as well. It seems like a lot already. Yeah, and I, but I think part of it is you got these young kids that are have great immune systems, and they probably had it. They had it, and they didn't know it. And they come to school, they get tested, and you're like, "Oh, you already have it," you know. Uh, I'm like, "Oh, well, I don't have any symptoms or anything." And I think there was some report today saying that if you're asymptomatic, you can't like, or it's like less likely you spread the disease. Yeah, or man. Why is all this stuff wrong all the time? And then we got to learn about it. I mean, I know science is always changing and what not but man uh, like let's just so you can't transmit it asymptomatically now is that that's, what the who that was, was saying that was yeah i believe that's what but it that was. was like the big thing for a long time. yes like you could bring up bring it home to grandma and stuff and that you know and you don't even know it you're not sick but she gets sick and she dies and you killed science grandma is hard science is hard i'm really glad i didn't become a scientist it's, I mean, when they talk in such absolutes and, and they don't know that to be the case, I guess you're being cautious, but if that's really the case, then you can really check for symptoms and you can, uh, you know, I would think that you could take people's temperatures and say, oh, you know, you don't have a fever, you're fine. Um, and you're not worried about the asymptomatic stuff. I think it's actually the idiots like us, but even people further up the ladder, because if you ever go back and read like the actual things from these scientists, it's always couched in like, probably likely is all that kind of crap. Um, but then it's like a game of telephone, getting it out to people. And it's just, it becomes, I think more and more absolute as it gets passed along down the chain. Like you'll see a headline for an article where this, the actual text of the article will not be as strong as the headline is indicating. Um, and it's just so many people have a hand in disseminating info that it becomes, uh, maybe somewhat distant from the actual reality. But regardless, it does feel like things have just shifted back and forth on this thing a dozen different times for various things. Um, I mean, at the beginning, I think they were saying there was, I think at the very beginning, it was the other way. They had it as there was no asymptomatic transmission. And then for a couple of months, it was there's 100% asymptomatic transmission. In fact, it might be the most likely kind of transmission. <laughs> and now it is mm, very, most cases are going to be symptomatic transmission. Yeah. So I don't know, man. But I guess, I, I guess the thing is, so if, if people are still testing positive and it sounds like the antibody tests are showing that like, it's not, you know, it's not like 70% prevalence in the United States. It's like probably something more like 10 to 20 still right now. That, that does feel like a lot. Um, now, maybe a lot of these players, you know, one of my thoughts was a lot of these players might have been participating in some of the protests and that sort of thing where, you know, because that is a, you know, by all accounts, that's a young person's activity. Um, maybe there's a slightly higher likelihood that they'll get it from that just because they're, you know, engaging in a big group activity. But 
anyway, it, it struck me just and whether how seriously everyone's going to take it when these guys test positive, how are they going to be, you know, quarantined within the program? Are they going to be quarantined from their families? Like just all this different stuff that's going to be yeah. ramifications of this whole thing. It's going to be a really interesting few weeks going forward, um, just because we're going to learn a lot more that you see all the people out protesting in these huge groups. Is there, is there going to be a spike in tests is partially because of that is, you know, when we see the NBA putting their plan together, if major league baseball gets off their ass and they figure something out, um, you know, the, the soccer leagues that are doing it. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we're, I think there'd be more, the more we're out there doing this stuff, the more information we're going to get. Um, I mean, I think we're going to get a lot of information just from the protesting stuff where you have all these people gathering. Uh, if most people are wearing masks, it seems like it. I don't know. I mean, is that safe to be in a bigger group because you have everyone's wearing a mask or is it not? I, I don't know. But uh, I think the more we're out there doing things, the more we're going to learn from it. Like, oh, that really didn't matter. Or, oh, whoa, that really does matter. You know what I mean? Like, we'll figure that some of that stuff out as we go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's yeah, this will be a big test case. The opening up everywhere is going to be a big test case. Um, and it'll test the limits of the kind of summer theory that the summer itself is going to knock this thing down a bit. Yeah. So we'll have I mean, a lot of me, different like me just going to a bar for the first time. It was like we're sitting at a table. There's no one near us. We're at our group. We had our group at our table. There was five of us. And so we were together. The waitress was wearing a uh, a mask you know they would bring over your your drinks and they'll remember the whole surfaces thing apparently that's not as big of a deal now it's mostly you know from your from you know coming from your mouth um you know the whatever the mucus or whatever you know spittle or whatever comes out of you like that's what you're worried about more now not necessarily the surface stuff i'm, um, I'm fine with that being the truth but can we just never in in the history of the show ever say the word spittle again <laughs> i was what are, what do they say that the projectiles coming from your your mouth. What were the, the terms that were used for that? I, I'm fine with like droplets. How about droplets? Dro droplets. Yeah. Okay. Is that good? Is that good? Can we, we do that? Droplets. Okay. I'm I just... like spittle though. So that, yeah, especially no, now that you don't like it. Spittle's good. Spittle's good. Um, can we call it sputum? How about sputum? <laughs> sputum. Does sputum sound good? Yeah. Uh, yeah. but I think we will learn a lot more now and I don't know. It's, uh, I, I just wanted, I want there to be football there. We're, Things are pointing toward that way. Um, we're going to see positive cases in a lot of these players. I'm guessing that most of the players, if they test positive, they're not going to be sick or that, you know, they're not going to be that sick if they are. Um, just my kind of hunch on the whole thing. Uh, I think LA, I was watching the news today and LA reported that 93% of the deaths in LA County have been people with, you know, pre existing medical conditions. So, you know, that's usually not going to be the case when you're talking about college football athletes, but there are going to be some, you know, that would have like asthma or something. I don't know, something that could uh, impact them more. But um, curious to see, we're going to start seeing, you know, people are coming back to campus, get tested. The Pac-12, like we said, they're going to test every week. Um, they're going to test for the antibodies. How many players already have the antibodies or a lot of them already have it? You know, they went out spring break or something. Um, so I'm, I'm just curious, like the next couple of weeks, like I said, a lot of data will be coming in. We should learn a whole lot more. Yep. Sweet. Okay. So we also, um, probably the biggest news is, uh, that, uh, Morgan Scaly, is it, was it Scaly? Is that how we say? Um, I'm, I'm fine with that. Or Scaly or, uh, well, anyway, Utah's defense doesn't matter. He got suspended. He's suspended. <laughs> yeah. And, um, 
So the athletic, if you if you subscribe to the Athletic, they had a really good article uh, in depth talking to a lot of former players. Um, one of the last quotes from it, I'll read for you of the article. Uh, Every player who spoke with the Athletic wished nothing but the best for Scaly, and they all said they hope he gets to maintain his position. But they also want to be heard and having uh, and and have been waiting to be heard uh, from for years. And the gist of it was they talked to a bunch of players. Some players were really, you know, had, you know, bad interactions with him. Uh, a lot of players had great interactions with him and said he's not a racist at all. I think every, all the players said he wasn't racist, but there were some insensitivities there. There were some comments that maybe he would make towards a black athlete that he wouldn't make towards a white athlete. Um, and so I think there was some, I think some of the players that felt like, hey, he's been a little insensitive in this, in this respect to me. And my my voice isn't going to be heard. Now they're being heard. But it was it was a really interesting in depth article. I didn't I didn't see if anyone else. I didn't. I'm sorry. I didn't check our our site at uh, Ute Zone to see if they had something on them too. But the athletic one I saw on Twitter and it was uh, it was well done. Yeah, and so just to back up a little bit, the um, basically the 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 reason for the suspension was um, Scaly sent a text message with a racial slur. It sounds like it was the N word. I didn't see the actual text. I believe message. so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in 2013, um, I, I, I'm sure I read the circumstances and it was something that was, I think it may have been intended for somebody else and it was sent to a recruit, something like that. Yeah, it was, I think it was intended to be, it's got, yeah, it was supposed to go to like coaches and it went to like a recruit's family or something. It was something along those lines, I believe. Yeah. Um, and regardless, obviously that's, um, a huge, uh, that's a huge problem. Um, and I think it's, uh, they're, they're making the right call in suspending him. Um, and it sounds like the players, you know, I think the, the judgment for this one should, um, in large part rest on the players. Um, I think they should, um, have a role in determining how, um, this is handled. Um, but I, I, I saw some, talk um on social media and and on message boards that oh it was seven years ago so that's a long time ago and i'm like well scaly was a it's one thing one thing if you are like seven years ago you were 14 years old and you were being a you know a shit poster in an online chat room or something um it's another thing i think if you're a grown-ass man who's coaching um a lot of african-american kids using that language uh, when you're a white dude and seven years ago is not a lifetime ago. Like that was, we're not talking about this was 60 years ago. It was, you know, if you ever hear that, like, oh, Lou Holtz said some shit back in the day. Um, well, still pretty bad, but 60 years ago, this was seven years ago. Um, so I don't buy that as a, like a diminishing factor for this. I think Harlan was right to suspend him and we'll see where it goes from here. Um I don't know if this will end up with him being fired or not, um, but I think that's very much TBD. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um, It's one of those things where if you talk to the players, I agree with you. I think the players should have something to do with this. According to the article, nobody, even the players that were upset, uh, didn't want him to lose his job. But it's one of those things where you want someone to be educated. Maybe they were doing things they didn't even realize and it was something in the, you know, the back of their mind. And they're like, Hey, you know what? I I'm aware of this now. I'm going to make sure that this behavior isn't going to continue. I, you know, I see how this could be insensitive, whatever it was. Um, I think it can be a teachable moment and a learning moment, you know, for uh, the coach and for the rest of the coaching staff and maybe even some of the players. Um, 
situation like that. I know we have like this cancel culture right now. If the players all were like, hey, man, he was so mean to me. I just want him fired. I think you'd have to look at it differently. From what from what I read, that's not really what the players want. Um, so that seemed to be, you know, would make the most sense where you could suspend him, have some kind of education thing. There'd be some, you know, he could address players, former players, current players, and, uh, you know, and do it that way. So we'll we'll see what happens there. But yeah, it looks like that's the direction they're going. He um, so he's a 40 year old guy now. So he was my age. Uh, when he was doing this, so just as a context clue. And then another thing, um, another thing that'll have to play into it for Utah and why it can't just be a player's decision. Um, how is he going to recruit now? Like, how's that going to work with this this story out there? Um, like, how's he going to recruit, you know, black kids, frankly, and people who, you know, think that wasn't a good move? Um, I think there's going to be a reality of the situation part of this decision as well, um, where he might be dead in the water as a recruiter um, for his merits as a coach and all that kind of stuff. But if you I don't know, man, it's there's a lot of factors, I think, for Utah to consider here. Um, I think there's the, you know, the moral ethical implications, but also the can he still do his job? Um, And I think that's all up in the air. And I think that's where your point about the you kind of need the player's approval. If you have it, then I think it would be okay, it would be better. It would at least give him an opportunity to recruit because if players are coming out and you're like, you know what, he was my coach, he was great for me for this and this and this. I didn't like this. We talked about it. Uh, I feel like he's you know he understands that now and going forward, you're not going to see that. Uh, if they, he kind of gets the stamp of approval from former players it might make it a lot easier for him to recruit, you know, the new, the new batch of guys. So um, we'll see, we'll see what happens there. Yeah. Uh, let's see. We also uh, in or at Oregon state. So tight end uh, Rocco Carley, he was a red shirt freshman, I believe was kicked off the team. Um, there was a, you know, a, a audio recording that came up from him when he was, I think it was three years ago. Like he was 17 years old. And apparently from what they were saying, what I read, it was like they were trying to, it's like they were playing a role or something, but it was really racial and sensitive stuff, N-word stuff. Um, I think insulted Southern people, insulted Muslims. Like it was all over the place. And Oregon State took a really, really quick action and uh, kicked him off the team. He did post a, uh, you know, once it came out there, he posted a, uh, um, apology he said, I promised all of you, this video does not represent me. Uh, he wrote on social media, I was doing an accent of a Southern man and giving a satire example of what we all thought would be funny. This is no way, shape or form makes what I said, right. Um, but it was, it was some pretty nasty stuff and, uh, OSU Jonathan Smith, they took uh, really quick action and he was uh, removed from the team. Yeah. I mean, you gotta do what you gotta do. Um, I've got a little bit more sympathy. I mean, uh, it's a graduated scale. I don't have a lot of sympathy, but I've got a little bit more sympathy for a 17 year old than a 33 year old. Um, yeah. but nonetheless, it's whatever, man, it was 2017 when you were doing that. You got to know. I mean, even if it was a satire, why are you letting that word cross your lips? Just don't do it. You don't have to do it. Um, yeah. so yeah, I, I, completely understand Jonathan Smith's decision here. Um, hopefully being a still young person, Rocco learns from it and grows from it. 
Um, I think there's, you know, there's room for growth when you're 20. Yeah. I did, now, here's the thing. He's, you know, with some reserve redshirt freshman tight end. I don't know how good he was going to be, but it's not like he played yet. What if he's, you know, one of the stars of the team? Uh, is he going to get the same kind of immediate treatment where he's kicked off the team? It's, it's not in that the, hard to kick the off the present a kid, moment. In the present moment, if that came out about, I think virtually anybody, and especially in the Pac-12, but virtually anybody, I think they'd be kicked off the team. Yeah, there's just no, I, I there's no way in the present moment that you can have something like that surface and not take action. Because um, there's, I mean, there's thousands of people still marching in the streets every single day, um, and you know that's a that's a sea change. Um, and it's, you know, it's good to see. Um, and, uh, we will likely see more of it. Um, yeah. cause there's more and more of this stuff, uh, all out there. The scale, the sliding scale is what's interesting to me because, you know, what, you know, what's the scale of how important this is? Is it at, you know, ball state or is it at Alabama or Clemson or something? Is it, as nasty as this video slash audio thing that came out from Rocco, or is it a lot less egregious, you know, or is it a lot less, you know, more tame, but still there's those racial undertones there, insensitivities. And how star, you know, is he the star player? So it's Trevor Lawrence at Clemson. And it was a, you know, five years ago, quick use of like the N word in a text to like a girlfriend or something. Um, what happens like, so that's a different scale than what this is going on. You know what I mean? So I'm, I'm curious to see, but you're, you're right. This current climate, almost anything is going to get you kicked off, but someone like that. And I'm I'm sorry for throwing his name out there. That's, you know, he seems like a great kid and and all that stuff, but just what do you do if something like that happens? Yeah. I mean, uh, I I think it's, if, if you're you, so just good rule of thumb, good rule of thumb out there. Uh, don't, don't use the N word. Just don't say it. Don't do it. Fair. And if you if you avoid that one, um, I think, I, look, if, if somebody, you know, God, if they commit some various form of microaggression or whatever, that's a teachable moment within a program. Um, but I think somebody posting a video, I mean, if you look at the quotes from the other Oregon State players in response to Carly, there was no support. None. Yeah, it was all people who were like, wow, you were you were thinking this stuff when you were sitting next to me in the locker room like that sort of deal. Um, I, I don't think they would have. I, I don't know. I mean, but if you, if it was just, you know, acclimating different people from different areas of the country and like all that kind of stuff, you know, like the best scenes of remember the Titans or whatever, then I don't think that rises to the level of kicking somebody out of the program. But just don't use the N word, man. Don't do it. Yeah, I think that's uh those are good words to live by. You'll you'll be pretty safe. Somewhat. I mean, safe. if you can get past the other stuff too, that'd be great. But if yeah. as just a baseline thing, just stop using the N word. Don't yeah. do it. Uh, let's see. Okay, so the other kind of newsy stuff where you know, as we talked about last week, I believe it was, um, Pac-12 said that uh, students can come back. You know, athletes can come back uh, starting June fifteenth. Oregon's going to do it. They're planning that. Um, so they're going to have a phased approach. Athletic director uh, Rob Mullen said uh, it's not going to be a lift up the garage doors and everybody comes back. It's going to be very calculated. Washington's also trying to, uh, according to the AD Jen Cohen, um, you know they're trying for June 15th as well. 
but they're worried about the King County, you know, where they where they live in King County, if they would allow, because there's going to be different state laws and county laws and stuff for all these different schools and how that's going to impact things. Um, I haven't heard too many. Those were those came from uh, John Wilner's uh, great newsletter on the hotline. Uh, I, you know, I, I know USC is trying to get their stuff together. I'm not sure where UCLA is in that or some of the other schools, but, you know, we should be getting more information maybe this week on when some of these schools plan to bring these uh, student athletes back. Yeah. And it'll be interesting to see what, if anything, we learn to kind of the same tune as the Alabama Auburn stuff um, and what that'll mean for like the different sensitivities of schools out West versus the schools in the SEC. Cause I don't think Alabama or Auburn is pausing practice because of that. But if 15 UCLA players show up testing positive for COVID, what are they going to do? Um, so it's all going to be interesting. I think they're going to be on a later timeline. I think a lot of the California schools will be on a later timeline than um, Washington and, and Oregon, maybe. Um, but it sounds like everyone's on track to try to get this thing, get this ball rolling by July, right? Like that seems to be the the general rule of thumb. Yeah, and there was actually a story that just came out today. Let me uh, pull it up. But there, that the NCAA um, is, you know, what, where was it? They're uh, trying to, I mean, their target is uh, the next um, for a six-week plan. Um, to uh, a six week plan to uh, ramp up for the college football season. So that's kind of what we're seeing uh, now. So it says a six week plan to gear up for an on time start to college football is expected to be introduced this week and approved by two NCAA committees. So they prepared a four phase plan for the season that includes a six week period of mandatory workouts that include walkthroughs in July and preseason camp beginning in early August. So uh, 24-7 Sports has a copy of the calendar detailing the return to football uh, after sports um, were placed on hold in mid-March, all that stuff. So uh, the plan will need final approval by the Division I Council, which is scheduled to meet June 17th uh, tentatively. So kind of interesting to see where that goes. But that's the plan right now is they're going to be, you know, a six-week uh, thing. So the workouts, voluntary workouts will be between now and June 25th. And you can also have virtual instructions eight hours a week. The mandatory workouts start July, uh, July 13th. And then it says 25 days before first permissible preseason practice date. Walkthroughs and meetings July starting July 24th. And then there's uh, 14 days before the first preseason practice date. And it's eight hours of weight training, six hours of walkthrough with the football, and six hours for meetings. And then preseason practice would start August 7th. 29 days before the first game uh, and that's allowing 20 hours per week. So there's like a colored chart calendar. You can check on your uh, various 24 seven sports sites for the schools that you follow. They should all have it up there on their front page somewhere. All right. Very cool. Yeah. So there's a, there's that. Do you think, do you, do you think that's too, uh, too aggressive or do you think that's, it's probably smart to just like, Hey, there's what we're going to plan to do. Start on time and then see what happens from there. I think that's right. I mean, um, I think given the way everything's going, I think it's probably the only way to operate right now is to set your plan in motion. And then I think you've got to be flexible. Um, I think there might be things that happen that may disrupt the plan. Um, but yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's the right move right now for sure. All right. Well, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We only have a few questions since we're uh, doing a Monday show and, uh, 
we did, I believe, Wednesday last week. So a few, few like fewer days between shows, but we'll answer the questions we got and move on from there. So back in a minute. Paramount Plus original docuseries returns. The last time I saw Max, he looked at us laughing, and then everything changed in a blink of an eye. My feeling as a detective is that he was murdered. Yahoo Entertainment calls it a spine-chilling docuseries, showcasing real-life tragedies. What if it was your child who went missing? We need to know the truth. Never seen again. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Explore the weaponization of rap lyrics in the criminal justice system in the new documentary, As We Speak, Rap Music on Trial. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. All right, we're back here on the podcast of Champions. What'd you do on your break, Dave, since you always ask me? I went for a sprint. (laughs) Nice. Getting ready for our uh, hike. Yeah, no, just doing wind sprints outside. Um, I'm not out of breath, as you can see. Um, so I think I'm getting into pretty good shape. That's awesome, man. Uh, yeah. I, I do want to do it. Do you th- so you don't. So we have people come to a bar. Do you think people would come to like an outdoor sort of event? Just like, hey, let's go hike. I mean, like a. It's not know. really a social activity. Like you can certainly hike with people, but you're not like. I don't know. When I'm hiking, I'm 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 walking by myself with people either in front or behind me. Like I'm not like chatting the whole. Yeah. Way. You chat some and then you stop, you know, and you eat your trail mix. And uh, I make gorp with, uh, we call it gorp, I don't know, but it's M&M's, peanuts, and, and um, raisins. So I just gobble that stuff. stuff down. It is good. Good energy. Good energy food. Um, yeah. And try to put more M&M's in there because you like that. But uh, yeah, we, we do that. So you have your little gorp break, have some water, and kind of sit around, talk some Pacville football. I don't we know. can do it. Yeah. We'll see. Let's, you know, send us in, uh, you know, review on Apple podcast or email us back to podcast at gmail.com. Let us know if you'd want to, want to do something like that. Should we'll we get David to fly zoom? out here. Should we do another zoom one of these days? We could, you know, I've backed off on the zooms. I guess I haven't done as many of them. Are you, I mean, I'm still doing like zoom workouts, but I'm not really doing like zoom social things anymore. We could though. Are people I mean, still we doing could. it? I don't know. I don't know, man. You're out going to bars. Yeah, I went to one, so which was it was really kind of fun just to do that. You're just thumbing your nose at the man. You're just well, saying they're no. allowed to. The man you said you're allowed to do it. You can't take away my rights. They're my it, rights. It's not a speakeasy. It was it's open. Like hey, the look, man, man said, we're allowed to do it. Did you have to give a code word? Did you have to touch your nose? Uh, no, no code word. No touching the nose. You have to walk in the place with a mask. Sure. On. All right. So we're talking code words. No, you walk in the place with a mask, but once you get in there, like you're eating and drinking, so it's really hard to have a mask on. Um, wow. so I don't know if you're supposed to have it, like if you're not eating, but you could basically probably pour, you... you could probably pour a beer through your mask. They're the ones with the straws in them. You could like, you know. Mm, now we're talking. Where's the innovation? Where's that? Where's that American innovation? I want to see that at work with these masks. Right. Yeah. No, I think there are some out there that have like little holes in them so you can drink. Yeah. Um. But you like you'd have to eat like it'd have to be like smoothies or something or did like. Did you see the Did you see the video of, that Arash posted of uh, Vegas? I saw some of them. I oh don't my know. god! I mean, was it Was it just a 
Total shit show. <laughs> nobody in masks. Everyone at tables, just breathing on each other, drinking, smoking, the whole thing. And it's like, I don't know. Like, I get maybe going to a bar. Like, I kind of get what you're doing. I don't know. I don't know if I could stomach Vegas for like another year. Like, I don't know if I could do that. I've, like, I've thought about it. Touching cards, just touching stuff. I don't know, man. Yeah. Well, the, the no. bar thing is weird because you can't go to the bar. Like, it's a basically, you're, it's like a restaurant. So, any place you order, you can't just order a drink. You have to order food also. And you're sitting at tables that are spaced apart. So you can't like, there's not people like hanging out at the bar. Like you're not allowed to like hang out in there. You're allowed to sit at your table that's separated from the other table. So it's different than being like at a bar. You like go to the bartender like, hey, can I get a, a beer or whatever? Um, but I think some places, like at least that's what it is in, in Los Angeles County right now. That's what's allowed. I'm sure, I think in Arizona, like you can do whatever you want um, or pretty close to it. But yeah, it would. I think it would be different if it was a bar and everyone's like shoulder to shoulder trying to order drinks. Like that would be different. Yeah, totally. Or you're at a, a casino, and yeah, that, uh, that 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 part just seems so baffling to me. Like you couldn't pay me to go to a casino right now. Because like the craps table, you have to be like you're crammed you're, in there. You're, you're shoulder to shoulder and blowing on dice, throwing dice, like, and people are really drunk. Like they're really drunk around you. So like that personal body space, it's like. No, everyone becomes like a two or three year old when they're really drunk. Like they're yeah. just like bumping into you and they have no regard for it whatsoever. And then I don't know what they do with the chips, because like, say you're at a twenty five dollar blackjack table and you sit down, you're like two hundred dollars to give them. They give you eight green chips. You put one out there and you win. Well, they pay you another green chip and that green chip came from somebody else, you know, and then up you you double down and you lose a couple green chips and then the dealer collects them and then the guy next to you wins the next hand and he gets your green chips and they're so the chips are just going all over the place like money's pretty dirty no, you're 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 most likely paying money to have people essentially spit in your mouth like that's really what's happening <laughs> so apparently i i was catching something like on the news today they had like dr oz uh, on one of the news channels look i think it was channel 11 here but um he it was like something about and i only caught the end of it but they were talking about like having sex but wearing masks. And so he was basically saying like having sex is fine. Like you can't transmit the disease that way, but kissing you can. So he they were like somehow encouraging you go. It's okay to have sex. Just don't kiss the person. <laughs> like that was the kind of the end of the conversation I caught. I was like, what? Like that just seems so weird, but apparently, you know, you're not transmitting it uh, that way. You're, you're, it's really easy to transmit it kissing though. I don't know about you, but um, sex is a pretty rigorous activity that involves a bit of respiration mm. into another person's face. Like, what the hell are they talking about? So they were saying, like, wear a mask while you're having sex. So it's like not even just like avoided kissing, but like to do. Yes. The rigor, the rigorousness. We are yeah. we are through the looking glass. Yeah. So that was yeah. I, I apologize if I got that wrong, but they, they said those words and I didn't catch the entire conversation. But there was something about sex with masks, and it's well, that's about par for the course for Doctor Oz. So that's fine. I don't, are you uh, are you not big on some of the TV? Well, doctors? he's a quack. I mean, he's a full quack. Really? Uh, okay. Yeah, total quack. Uh, well, basically, every one of those doctor people that Oprah elevated is a full quack. Doctor Phil too. They're just both quacks. Right. I think well, it's he's... it's a hard it's a hard thing to be a TV doctor. I'll give it that. Um, cause you gotta be constantly coming up with something new and that's not just how, that's like, not how like 
medical science really works. If you're constantly coming up with something new, you're like a diet fattest. Yeah, no, I guess that's true. But like Dr. Like, so Dr. Oz and uh, Dr. Drew are actual real medical doctors that treat patients where Dr. Phil's like a, well, I guess, I mean, he's not a medical doctor. Um, so you wouldn't necessarily have to listen to him, but those guys are actual doctors. Like they do treat patients too. It's not just TV stuff. Yeah. So, uh, Mehmet Oz is a cardiothoracic surgeon, which is a very specific type of doctor. Dr. Drew is like an addiction specialist. Like he's not a friggin', he was opining about the coronavirus. Like he knows nothing about the coronavirus. Come on, dude. Like you're a friggin', you like, you know, try to figure out how people get addicted to drugs, not like whether or not their bodies can handle a coronavirus or how it spreads. Like epidemiology is basically statistics. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Um, yeah, I think, either of those guys are epidemiologists. No, so and they're forced yeah. to, like Dr. Oz has basically planted himself as a nutritionist. And I don't know, a cardiothoracic surgeon is about as far from you can get as new, from nutrition <laughs> in the medical field as anything. So, no, I think they're both quacks um, who happen to have medical degrees and various things. But the, the, when you're opining about a bunch of stuff that's not at all in your field, but presenting yourself as an expert on it. Like, look, we opine about a lot of stuff on this show, but we sure. are both self-acknowledged morons. Uh, <laughs> so that's fine. No one's taking us seriously. Uh, Hopefully but not. You call yourself Dr. Drew. You call yourself Dr. Oz and you're giving your medical opinion about things that you may have a slightly better understanding than the common person, but you also may not. Um, I think it's uh, it's certainly done a disservice in a lot of ways. Now, I like to listen to Dr. Drew when he's on Loveline, but, he he's now funny, re- yeah. but now he's like giving opinions about a bunch of different stuff. It's just like, man, I don't know. I don't know if the guy who was like telling people, you know, they need to leave their boyfriends in 1992 should be the one who's like <laughs> giving advice on whether or not this disease is going to spread widely or not. Yeah. Well, should we jump into some questions? Uh, yeah, I'll read the first one. This is from Robert. Uh, Minneapolis riots. Whoa, this seems like a, a light long subject. Yeah. Oh, it's long too. Yeah, That's a long boy. All right, um, I'm gonna settle in. Just gonna stretch a little bit. Okay. <laughs> Hello, friends. Uh, first and foremost, here's a vote for making every episode over an hour. Uh, well, with this email, we might hit that. Uh, I look forward to the release of a new episode of the POC every week because I'll make a morning afternoon of work that much more fun. It'll make a morning afternoon of work that much more fun. Thanks for the laughs. Uh, Moving on to the main topic I'm writing in about, last week you two talked about the murder of George Floyd by the Minneapolis PD and the protests and riots that followed. For what it's worth, the worst of those nights took place right in my neighborhood. I live about six blocks away from the police station that was burnt down. This is, of course, a complex topic with a lot of directions to take it in, but I will summarize by agreeing with Ryan's comments from last week that living through the riots, L.A. riots in his case, was, quote, shitty. It was a remarkably stressful time, and quite a few buildings in our neighborhood were burnt down, while many of the smaller local businesses were damaged or looted. There was the smell of burning smoke in the air for multiple days, and for about 48 hours, the police abandoned the neighborhood. Eventually, things calmed down about four days in when the National Guard arrived in force, but even then, having Blackhawks circle overhead for multiple days and Humvees drive up and down our street has not exactly been pleasant. Yes, that part has all been shitty. But welcome to the Seward neighborhood of Minneapolis. It is perhaps best described as an urban utopia, at least in my mind, with a truly remarkable degree of diversity for Minnesota and a population that can best be described as woke as fuck. 
Despite how shitty the riots were and how scary and stressful dealing with them were, my fiance and I, as well as pretty much the entire neighborhood, actively supported the protesters. Also, my personal attitude to a certain degree is fair enough. You saw something terrible that has happened over and over again in this country for years on end. Given that there's been little or no improvement in the situation and people are literally dying because of it, at some point people are going to get mad and start setting things on fire. I just wasn't expecting it to happen in my little corner of the world. <laughs> also, may I add, shitty time to be trying to sell my house. Haha. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. It is a bit awkward as a white male to stand up right now and share my feelings on this issue. I think right now is a time when we should really be listening to the African-Americans and people in color's perspectives on their experiences and recommendations on how we can move forward from the terrible incident and create the real progressive change in the area of police brutality and combating systemic racism in this country. But after one hell of a coincidence, I found myself at the epicenter of these events and was able to get a firsthand look at what was happening on the ground. Through those eyes, let me just echo what others have said, and that is that too much has been made of the riots. They were bad and scary, but they shouldn't take away from the national discussion that we need to be having right now about race and injustice. I was here. The riots impacted my neighborhood and community the most. You don't need to worry about that. Let us deal with the aftermath and cleanup. It's everyone else's job, and especially the white folks out there, myself included, to listen, learn, and then support and aid African-Americans in finally taking meaningful steps to address these much more serious issues. Sorry for the long email, but I hope it was at least interesting to hear from someone on the ground out here north of the wall in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Go dogs, Rob. Rob, all-time great email. Yeah. Fantastic email. Well said. Agree entirely. Actually, I think I have a friend whose family must live close to you uh, because she claims that uh, her mom's house burned down uh, in the uh, looting and whatnot. So, um, and her family's right there with you. So I think uh, speaks to the neighborhood, but um, well said, agree. Yeah, Rob, great stuff. Uh, Awesome email. Glad uh, you were able to send that in and share. We could share that with our, our listeners. And I think, when we first started talking about this, the riots were being talked about more in the news. And if it wasn't happening in your neighborhood, that's what you were seeing the most of. And I don't know if it's, I, I think we've seen just mostly peaceful protesting since then. And probably even at the time there was, there was a lot more peaceful protesting than there were riots, but the riots are going to get the yeah, headlines. The news, news media is a complete failure in this country. And they were a complete failure yet again with that. Um, but and since covering, then, I feel like now we're getting the, you know, it's really about the protest. What does it mean? Well, the rioting, feel- the rioting's gone. Uh, there's nobody rioting anymore, really. Um, yeah. There's no looting going on. Um, it's mostly, like, almost entirely peaceful protest, protest now. The early days, there was, you know, that stuff going on in Santa Monica, stuff going on in Minnesota, obviously, but all around the country. Um, but that's kind of calmed down, and it's now just... Thousands upon thousands of the people in the street every single day doing peaceful protests and, you know, occasionally getting brutalized by the police. Yeah, I saw like when when it was kind of happening, like the Long Beach stuff happened and there was, you know, some there wasn't anywhere near as many fires as there were like in L.A. ones like that was just crazy to see that. But the I think they moved. They did one in Manhattan Beach, so close to where I live. And they they marched from Manhattan Beach to Hermosa. And at that time, people started boarding up. Uh, I, I think I tweeted a picture or I might have Instagrammed or something. There were a lot of the the uh, businesses were boarding up, um, protecting against uh, you know potential rioters and looting. But uh, it was all completely peaceful. And it was, you know, I think we might have talked about this last week a little bit. But, it was, you know, it's pretty much a white town. So it was mostly white people that were kind of out they were out there doing it. They had a kids one there in Manhattan Beach. So we've seen a lot more of them. But they like you said, they've always been. The ones I've seen have all been peaceful now and people just out there uh, you know, expressing their views and, and trying to get 
uh, you know, they're fighting out there for social justice. Yeah. It's been really cool and inspiring to see. Um, and it feels like there's actually going to be meaningful change from it, which yeah. uh, is a very good thing to see. We had a text message. Thanks again, Rob, for that. Um, this is probably going to have to be one Dave answers because there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. Oh, man. Ooh, I was, okay. I don't think we, we, this might be like homework and we might need suggestions, but uh, I was really disappointed in the lack of U.S. president questions last week. So here's my contribution. Which U.S. president is most like each Pac-12 head coach? Bonus question, which U.S. president would make the best college football head coach? Um, that's really going to be hard. I just don't have I don't have the presidential knowledge to go back and say, oh, oh man, you know, Jonathan Smith reminds me of Millard Fillmore. Like, I'm not going to do that. Um, you might be able to do it. It might take some time, but maybe the best college football head coach we could talk to talk about. Or whatever you want. You can do the first part if you want to. Okay, hang on. You gotta like look. Which U.S. Pres- which U.S. president would make the best college football head coach? Yeah, like who was? I mean, I guess you could go from different. Like, do they have the athletic background? Is it the motivational aspect of it? They're like the Lou Holtz type speeches. Um, no, so I'm thinking somebody with a military background would have the, especially an old style military background. Like an Eisenhower the, guy or something. I know. I'm thinking older style. Like I'm thinking like a Ulysses S. Grant. Oh, I was gonna say Grant. There's actually, a, I think, a Netflix. Is there a Netflix thing on Grant now? I wanted to. Yeah, see I gotta it. watch it. I gotta watch it. Okay. I heard good things. If you ever, anybody out there, if you get a chance to read uh, Ron Chernow's uh, biography of Grant, it's really good. Um, um it kind of changed my whole thinking about him and i went back and read a lot more because of it um i think grant would be good i think you could talk me into um an eisenhower um somebody who's you know led some led some had to do some strategic and tactical work out there um make quick decisions on the fly so i'm looking i'm looking at former generals um that'd probably be my my first instinct there you got any additional thoughts there Okay. well there's an obvious one okay because he actually coached at Notre Dame in a movie. Um, Ronald Reagan. Didn't he do the win for win one for the Gipper? Wasn't that him? Yes. So he played a college football head coach in a movie. Like he's got to be an obvious choice. He was great at playing a part. <laughs> if you could act like a co- head coach, you could be a head coach. No. Uh I like it. I like it. <laughs> Ronald Reagan. Honestly, Reagan probably has the uh, the general uh, feel of a college football head coach more than anybody else. Um, that was an insult. Take it that yeah. way. Um, what about like a Nixon? Like, do you think Nixon would be? No, Nixon. Far too paranoid. He'd be one of those coaches who would like. Yeah, but they're like, like a bunker. Like they don't Jim let... Mora trying to like lift shades like 700 feet into the air to block out people from watching the practice field. Yeah. Like. It would just be psychoses about the media. It would have nothing to do with play on the field anymore. From day one, he would just be like every UCLA coach in their last year on the job. <laughs> um, like JFK could be like he's the like young uh, offensive coordinator that gets his first head coaching job, and uh, like has all this energy and like uh, doing all these crazy things. Like, what about him? And ultimately, would have turned out disappointing if he. <laughs> Live long enough? Is that where we're going with that? I wasn't going there. I'm not trying to get morbid, but I was trying to like make him like the like. Who would he be? The uh, so he was a he was a Navy guy, wasn't he? Yeah. So PT one hundred nine. Not quite like tactical, uh, you know, strategic stuff there, but 
He saved sure. his, his PT boat crew with a coconut, right? So personal bravery, that's great. Whatever. Yeah. But uh, I don't know if that like lends itself to strategic acumen. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with my generals. I really gotta think okay. it's a it's a it's a it's a general type of thing. Um, I think I, I could go with uh, like George. Bush, I could George, get Teddy Roosevelt. One? Teddy Roosevelt can inspire some people. Teddy, yeah. Um, He's pugnacious. It, you know, the Rough Riders, like they're you know yeah. they they're, they're four horsemen thing going on, like for sure. Like it's old school college football. Um, yeah. I think George. So George Bush Senior. Um, which one is that? W. Is that he George? Was, he, yeah, JHW. He played at Yale, didn't he? He yeah, and he also like I mean got shot down over like Japan and like survived. Like basically, got picked up by a, a fishing boat and could have been in a concentration camp or whatever. So like he great yeah, recruiting he, story. I mean, yeah, it's like as far as perseverance goes. But he did play like college sports. So um, I'm sure there's a lot of people that played college sports though that I don't even remember. I remember UCLA players being um, really amazed when uh, defensive coordinator Lou Spanos pulled out his fake tooth to yell at them. What if George Washington was out there pulling out all of his teeth? Yes. Like every single one of those wooden dentures to scream at them. Like I think that would impress a lot on the minds of, of the impressionable youth. Yeah. Uh, if we want to go like, you know, Pac-12 has a lot of minority head coaches. You just go with Barack Obama. You know, we got, you have a, African-American uh, head football coach. That's something he'd be. I, I, I think he'd be middle of the road and conservative. That's my take on, on Barack. Would he be okay? I don't want to just because he's black, but like a David Shaw. Do you think he'd have that kind of temperament? Seems a little bit, maybe. Honestly, that's the obvious thing. I mean, both dudes smart as hell. Uh, both dudes started off with a ton of promise, you know, lots of hope. Um, and both have turned out to be ultimately disappointing. Um, so I think that's dead right. Actually, if I was doing this, it would be, I think Barack Obama, David Shaw. Um, God, I, I kind of want to do this because like Clay Helton seems like an obvious Jimmy Carter. Oh, I like that. That's good. Right? Like, yeah. obviously, good guy. We like him. Really ineffective. Right. Yeah. And honestly, we don't know yet, but might usher in the doom of USC football. Good. <laughs> a little, good. A little subtle Reagan dig there for everybody, nice. everybody out there. Well, no, I mean the kids Reagan came in and saved it, so that that's why they, they need to hire like an Urban Meyer to fix all the problems. Urban so. Meyer would be the Ronald Reagan of the situation. Yeah, um, winning championships, just winning everything, so it's good. All right, so I have to go. I like that one. What I, could we do? What who would like a Herm Edwards be? Like who's Herm like, Edwards? Like an old elder statesman. Yeah, um, that's just been around the block and has like always has the right thing to say and no, you know. Hmm. Ooh, that's a tough one. Yes, yeah, I just don't think I can. I can help you too much with this. Like, there's a you know, unless it's a recent person. Yeah, um, that's a toughie. Um, Gerald Ford. I want. I, wa- I want to say yeah, like a stabilizing force after a a, a a scandalous end. But the thing is, Todd Graham wasn't scandalous. No. But yeah, maybe a Gerald Ford. Ultimately conservative, also a football player. Oh, yeah, he would have been a pretty good coach, too. So right? we'll go Herm Edwards, Gerald Ford. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, Contributing. I like this. All right, good. Okay. Uh, Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly. So acerbic best days were in the past um, prior to this position. Um, mm. Okay. So we're looking. I want to look at people who were big before they were president and then struggled in their presidency. And before reading the book, Grant, he would be an obvious Ulysses S. Grant. 
you know, somebody whose best days were in the Civil War and then, you know, as everyone thinks about him, a corrupt presidency. But, you know, later history has shown that Grant was actually good in a lot of ways as a president, just had some uh, some some mistakes among his personnel choices. So you know, you were... we might go with that. OK. And that's, you know, if, if we might get some better. uh you know, Shane might write in and give us some some good ideas. But anyone, if you have some like, oh, you missed this guy or this president would be good for this coach. Yeah, let us know. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, yeah, I think the rest of them I, we're going to have to sit on. We're going to have to think about. Um, I'm trying to think of like a strong. Is it like a could a Kyle Whittingham? Could you come up? Give, give me a Kyle Whittingham. You can come Kyle up. Whittingham. Um, just because of like a, a apples to apples, like kind of a, you know, he seems kind of backwards. I'd go Andrew Jackson, but Andrew Jackson was like a, you know, a sociopath. So we don't necessarily want to compare him to Andrew Jackson. <laughs> like in one superficial way, I would say he's comparable to Andrew Jackson, but I don't know enough about the man to say, you know, that's not necessarily a compliment. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, Maybe uh, James K. Polk and how he has essentially taken uh, the West from the California oh. schools and the South, you know, the Southwest. He's kind of a reach. He's, yeah. kind of, he's kind of controlled the South Division in a lot of ways, even though he's only won it once. Twice we'll now, go right? James K. Polk for Kyle Whittingham. Utah won the last two years, right? Did they? They did. You're right. Yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to throw one out there. Okay. What about Kevin Sumlin and George W. Bush? I think that's dead right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that's dead on. Dead on in so many different ways. A stint in Texas. Yeah, the Texas ties. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, there's a lot going on there. Okay, yeah. Sumlin and W. That seems right. Okay. Carl, Carl Durrell. He might he could, be our Eisenhower. Yeah, I, I like that. Yeah. Military man, military bearing, both kind of bald. I could go with that. Okay. Like we're, doing, we're doing all right with this. We're doing okay. All right. Justin Wilcox. <laughs> oh. So personality, does he have one? Uh, not particularly. <laughs> he's pretty, you know, he's pretty quiet guy. Um. The young, like the young dude, like I, I, you could think like a JFK just being like the young guy on the block, you know, like the, you know, maybe you didn't expect him to be there. I don't know, but there's probably not a lot of parallels there. No. Um, I want to go like a Martin Van Buren type. And by right. a Martin Van Buren type, I mean somebody for whom I have absolutely no discernible memories whatsoever. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I will say Martin Van Buren had some incredible hair. Have you ever looked at a picture of Martin Van Buren? I I, I have. I not. I could not recall. It's low key. Of. It's low key in that, like, I think in olden times you would have looked at it and just said, "Oh, okay." But like, what he has going on from at least a front angle is just two side pieces of hair, just all the way down from his chin to the sides of his head, and then a purely bald top. So it's like sideburns that grew out fully. Like and upwards, but it's a fully bald top of the head and just these entirely amazing chops. Now, Justin Wilcox hasn't done that, but I would no. I would really appreciate it if he did. 
is what I'm uh, trying to say here. What uh, I was thinking about like FDR and would Herm was the only one I could really think of. Anyone else or would, would Herm be an FDR kind of person too? Um, no, I don't think Herm's an FDR type. I think your FDR type is somebody who has um, taken things from the brink of destruction and turned them around, has given them hope for a future. Um, and I think that's obvious. It's Jonathan Smith. Ah, okay. That's your FDR. All right. Right. Um, this, is good. this is good. Okay. Uh, Mario Cristobal. Ooh. Uh, Some, like, someone that's just kind of taking the place by storm, you know? Is it like... He's a TR. I think true. he might be our Teddy Roosevelt. Okay. I was thinking yeah. like Truman maybe or something too. But. Maybe Truman. Maybe Truman. You know, just taking the reins. If you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. Yeah. I Either one of those works for me. Yeah. I'm good yeah, with yeah. that. Uh, Jimmy Lake. I just don't know enough about him. Don't know enough about Jimmy. Don't know enough. Um, so, all right. Pr- probably you're looking at vice presidents who became president, right? Oh. Because okay. he was a defensive coordinator. Um, handpicked by his his boss who retired, oh. who retired early. Oh, I think the obvious answer here. He's John Adams. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. All right. Jimmy Lake, John Adams. All right, Nick Rolovich. Ooh, there's like a lot of personality there. A lot of personality. Kooky guy. Um, hmm. So you're you're probably looking at... Hmm. Whew, man, that one's tough. Because you could go superficial again, and actually that one's your Obama, because he came from Hawaii, right? But yeah, oh, we, already true, gave, yeah. we already gave Shaw Obama, because honestly, come on. That one's dead on. Like, take... Take the fact that they're both black out of it. That one's dead on. Yeah. Um, Bill Clinton. Olovich, Bill Clinton. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Talks a great game. Or JFK. I could be convinced of JFK. I could be convinced of Bill Clinton. I could even you could even talk me into Lincoln because Lincoln, when you get down oh, to yeah, the brass yeah. tacks, when you get down to the brass tacks. Dude was a kooky guy. He was a he had a personality. Yeah, he had some um, he had some kooky sense of humor. Um, yeah, I'll go. I'll go Bill. I'll go Bill Clinton for for Nick Rolovich. Okay, I think that's right. I feel that like feels... I've contributed way more than I thought I would. Honestly, so I, you I did amazing work. You did amazing <laughs> work. Um, I did like my synaptic connections talking my way through Jimmy Lake as John Adams. Yes, um, that was very good. <laughs> um, okay, we did it. We succeeded. Look, that that's worth your price of admission here. Your price of for free for this show. You just got it. Yeah. Um, that right. yeah, that was good. So Adams, who is it? Who is another? I wanted. I was trying to think of some other ones. Uh, Lyndon B. Johnson. Could he have been one too? Oh yeah, yeah. Lyndon B. Could be. Um... No, as far as like J- Jimmy Lake, I was talking about. Oh, could he be LBJ? Yeah. Um, so took over at the sudden departure of his boss. Um, we'll see. So he might be LBJ if we get through a year and he has just tried to execute Chris Peterson's <laughs> plan oh, okay. um, <laughs> in his stead, even though he may not agree with it. Then, yes, LBJ. OK. All right. All right. Um, yeah, I think Adams is better, but that, that was just another one I was thinking of for. No, LBJ would be pretty good. I think we nailed that question. Nailed yeah. it hard to the wall. 
The only one I'm actually not happy with is Ulysses S. Grant and Strip Kelly. Mm. I think it's too complimentary. <laughs> um, well, UCLA fans out there, let us know who you, you would equip. <laughs> yeah, who would? So, yeah, I want to crowdsource that one. Who would Chip Kelly be? Okay. Because um, it's not just coming to me. Because it's got to right. be somebody who had previous success, who everyone was like, oh, he's going to turn out so good, and then kind of fallen flat on his face. Yeah. All right. Cool. Good stuff. That was good. I'm, we did way better than I thought. So that's awesome. Woodrow Wilson? No. <sighs> what was his success before? Well, there's a lot of, like, it's kind of not a nice comparison um, because he also, like, apparently was, like, stroked out for his last, like, year and a half in office and his wife was basically running things. Oh, crap. Yeah. Um, so that's not, like, a good comparison. We don't wish that on anybody. Um his and his previous success wasn't so much a previous success as like the World War One stuff, but no, I don't love it. We'll All put right, some well, thought to it. We'll put some yeah. thought to it. You out there, you think of your best. That, let's have that be the the next week. I want to hear everyone's comparison, presidential comparison for Chip Kelly. Okay, that's good stuff. All right, this is from Hithliday. Wadjet. I said a. I looked it up quick. Egyptian, like uh, like goddess of like children or childbirth or something if i remember correctly okay so this one could get weird is what you're telling me yeah okay uh cal has replaced uh uh offensive line coach steve greatwood with angus mcclure and db coach gerald alexander with marcel yates are those the two biggest coaching downgrades in the league <laughs> um i would say yates so i i know he was no great shakes as a defensive coordinator i don't know enough about him as a db coach I think Angus um, doesn't necessarily have the rep of Greatwood as an OL coach. I think he's a completely fine OL, co OL coach, and I think he's probably going to recruit that position really, really well. So I don't know how much of a downgrade that is. And also, I am a uh, Angus McClure longtime stan, so you're not going to get any of this out of me, Hithliday. Yeah. Uh, but the DB coach may be a downgrade. I don't know enough about Yates as a pure DB coach. I mean, but Yates, yeah, but whenever you take a guy, someone that had a higher ranking job and you drop him down, it's like, hey, you know what, like, I don't know. You're, I think that's a good thing in a lot of cases. I, I wouldn't say this is the biggest downgrade, but again, Hitlerday overestimates our ability to know the you know intimate details about every uh, assistant coach in the league. You've I, once I, again overestimated our knowledge of really anything, but especially <laughs> the league that we cover. Uh, Oregon replaced their wide receiver and cornerback coaches. Oh, this is the entire the, the entire. Email is going to be about assistant coaches moving from different schools to Sweet. other schools. This is going okay. to be great. We're really excited to even know these names. Uh, Oregon <laughs> replaced their wide receiver and cornerback coaches, hiring Brian McClendon from South Carolina and Rod Chance from Minnesota. Any thoughts on them? No. None. No. None. Uh, those position coaches usually make their living on the recruiting trail, but their most recent stops were outside the league footprint. What impact are you seeing there? It's generally good for assistant coaches to have familiarity out west before they're recruiting here. Yeah, I think, but they're, you know, if, if they're dynamic recruiters, I think you can adjust and you can, maybe you have those ties for a year or two to wherever you came from. And maybe, you know, Oregon pulls a player out of Minnesota that they normally wouldn't do, but you get acclimated to the local schools, you get acclimated to the California schools. And if you're a dynamic recruiter, you build those contacts pretty quickly, you get out there and, and you can recruit those areas as well. So I, I don't think it's this, you know, huge detriment, but it might take some, you know, there's some acclimation time to get used to where you're recruiting your new recruiting base. Right. Um, 
Oregon State and Stanford made basically no coaching changes this offseason. Good news for one team and bad news for the other? Yeah. That seems right. Yeah. That does seem right. <laughs> yeah. Good news for Oregon State. Bad news Not, for Stanford. Yeah. Um, Washington now effectively has three DB coaches in Jimmy Lake, Terrence Brown, and Will Harris. Is that weird? Brown and Harris are both former California players from about 10 years ago, Stanford and USC, respectively. Are they having the recruiting impact in the Golden State that you boys would expect? So I, I covered Will Harris before, and I, I just don't know enough about him as far as the recruiting stuff goes there. But he's he was hired a few years ago and has stuck around. I assume he's doing a, a pretty good job. I, I mean, I could check with our, you know, like Fetters or something to see. But um, I haven't heard anything bad about his tenure there. And I just don't know enough t- about Terrence Brown. Sorry. Yeah, no idea. <laughs> Uh, Nick Rolovich uh, brought almost his entire staff from Hawaii to Washington State. The surprise was that rather than promote Mark Banker, previously Oregon State and Nebraska's D.C. and who landed as inside linebackers coach at Hawaii, Rolovich brought in a new D.C. and a couple of defensive assistants from Wyoming and switched Banker to safeties. Do you think this means Banker's career as a D.C. is done? I don't know. I don't know what to say. Like hit the day, like you've listened Banker to our is, show, right? So Banker is sixty-four years old, and that is the only determining factor for me in saying that yes, his career as a defensive coordinator is now complete. Yeah, um, I mean, I applaud Hitler Day's. You know, he he knows what's going on as far as assistant coaches go, but yeah. Oh I, boy, I, I, I feel Hitler like Day, Hitler Day, Hitler Day. Look, I love you, man. I love your <laughs> questions; they're great. I love them. Not your best work this week. Look, no, n- not know your audience. Know who you're asking. Like, we just don't know. We're never going to know. We're not even going to look to find out. <laughs> um, what? How does the, the Wajit, it says Wajit was uh, revered as the goddess of childbirth and protector of children. In later years, she became the protector of kings. Oh, maybe that's it. They're, like, these are assistant coaches, so protecting the head coach i i don't know i i think it's a stretch i think it's a stretch um i i, I want to say this is not hitler day's best work i'm disappointed i'm not mad i'm not mad but i am disappointed all uh, right uh i'm still cool with the hitler day even though david doesn't like you anymore i'm you're no, still i love i love hitler day i respect hitler day which is why i expect more from hitler day frankly this question was this was far too many questions not enough insults gonna need more of those we need a paragraph preamble with a lot of just biting sarcasm towards us. Um, yeah, that's that's always good. That didn't well, happen. I think I'm really, really disappointed in this. Uh, the text, the text message was really good though. Like that, you know, it was a that question. Made the I, show. We didn't think we could have answered it, and we actually did. We, um, we had to do it for the people. It makes me want to like go back and study U.S. presidents again. Like I haven't done that for so long, and I know you've you, you've always kind of done that, or you keep up with it, or there's a, you have more of an interest there, but this has piqued my interest. I want to go back and like, so give me, what's a good book I should read like this? Like, go read Grant. You'll like Grant. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's a really good, it's um, full biography um, from, you know, time he was a little kid all the way through generalship and, and the presidency. It's really, really good. Changed my entire thinking because the entire, the basically the, the paragraph you're given about Grant when you hear about him in like high school history is, uh, was a, general who was a butcher in battle and you know got a lot of union soldiers killed and then was an ineffective president because of corruption like that's basically the nuts and bolts you get about grant um this was much more enlightening like i knew the civil war stuff that he was actually 
really good strategic general and understood kind of the the math of uh, the whole thing a lot better than the, his predecessors on the Union side. Um, and uh, but I it also, I think, was much more favorable to him as a president. Um, so strong recommend for everyone out there. Grant by Ron Chernow. Um, I don't have a lot of presidential books. I have Theodore Rex uh, by Ed, Edmund uh, Morris. OK, so. Uh, I, but I, I read that years ago. Maybe I'd go back and read that one too, but, uh, uh, a team of rivals. So one thing that's very readable is the Lincoln book team of rivals. The thing that was based that, um, Lincoln was based on, um, oh, okay. the movie, uh, that book's really good, really. And it's really like, it's a speed read. Like you can read that thing and it's not like, you know, sometimes you read a biography and it's a lot of like footnoting and, you know, can be a, a slog. Um, it was very, very readable. All right. Well, good stuff. And that's our book recommendations for the POC. Yeah. I, I have not. Re- See, that's the one thing I haven't done enough during the quarantine. I haven't read that much. I've been and I haven't even watched much like TV binging like lately either. Oh, and know. when I say I've, I've read Grant, I mean, I've listened to the audiobook because <laughs> when I pick up a book now, um, I'm inev- inevitably like having to then immediately close it and read um, the latest from Amelia Bedelia to either one of my children nice just can't. Uh, so i listen to books in my car that would be uh i i don't think i've i've not done that yet um but i could maybe i could do that can you get them on amazon like you can get the audiobook for like yeah so you can um if you download audible um I, i'm gonna give an advertisement to audible on this show um if you download audible you can get a free trial of it i think if you haven't done it before um, and they've got a whole library of audiobooks, um, including oh. Grant. Um, so I think the free trial is for a month. Um, and after that, it's like 15 bucks a month. Um, and you get one free title a month. So if you're devouring biographies, it's actually a great deal um, because it'll probably take you about 30 days to listen to an entire biography. Um, if you're, you know, every time you're like working out or whatever, you're listening, you know, say you work out an hour a day or something like that. Um you listen to that that's 30 hours later and then you get another book the next month oh okay uh yeah. that's good so, so it's about 30 hours like to a lot of them are listen. some of them are longer i think grant is grant might be 40 or 50 um but uh a lot of them are going to be uh i don't know how the and you can also speed them up right so you can listen to them i like to listen at a leisurely pace um but you can listen to any of these things at like probably one and a half speed and not lose any content um, cool. So if I do a free, so you can do a free trial. Yep. But then it's, it says it's 15 bucks a month. It'll automatically, um, charge you if you don't cancel. Okay. So it's so like anything else. It's like a Netflix subscription. So you, start a free trial, cancel. Yep. And, all right. Yeah. Just make a note to cancel in 30 days or whatever, and you'll be good to go. Sweet. Yeah, well, thanks, so You'll get a free audiobook just by signing up. And then they're predicting that you're going to love it so much that you'll just keep going. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I'll, I'll do that. Um, well, great show, David. Uh, I think we covered a lot of good topics up to the top. We answered some fun questions and uh, we talked about random stuff. <laughs> like and we books. went over an hour. So we Rob did. will be happy. Yes. So uh, there's some people that are going to be unhappy, but I think most people will be happy, which is good. Uh, all right. Well, that'll wrap it up. Uh, he is David Woods. I am Ryan Abraham, and we do appreciate you being part of our little show, please uh, send in those questions. Please leave us those five star reviews on Apple podcast. We love that. 
Thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. Bye. Citizen sleuths are focusing on the brutal slayings of four college kids. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. This is the start of something major. Follows online detectives as they unravel the mystery of the infamous Idaho college murders. There's plenty of places to hide a weapon. And turned it into a social media phenomenon. Where are the roommates? It is a huge night. I want the truth from you. Hashtag cyber sleuths. The Idaho murders now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.